Hello, Nexus Church family, and welcome to our New Year's message. Today, I want to take you on a journey to God's vision for you in this year. Now, for some of you, you might not be listening to this in January 2024, but I realize that still this message is going to be very applicable to you, no matter if you're starting this in a new year halfway through the year, somewhere in between. God has a vision for you, and I believe that this message, it transcends wherever you may find yourself in life, whether you're starting out and you're a young adult or a kid or a teenager, or if you are well on in your retirement, God has a vision for you, and and it doesn't have to be right at the beginning of your career for you to Search for what he has for you, what he desires for you. Now, how you live that out is going to look differently from you to me to somebody across the world in another country. But still, the base will remain. God has a vision for you, and it is found in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. We're just going to read that little tiny piece of of scripture. But in it, it lays out for you what it is that God wants you to do with your life. Now, this may seem very simplistic, and maybe you've heard a message on the greatest commandment that was asked by Jesus. What is the greatest commandment? And in this little passage, he gives it to you. Again, some of you have heard this message many times, but I want to look at it with a new perspective, with fresh eyes. So join me today. As we look at Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39, where Jesus was asked the question by these people around him who wanted to really frame him, what is the greatest commandment that we are to live out? And Jesus looked at them, and with love in his eyes, with compassion, with a desire for them to understand, he summarizes really the whole Old Testament that these people had studied and knew so well and memorized so much of it by saying this simple statement love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind in essence love god with everything you are this is the greatest and most important command right this 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 is the epitome of it all love god with all of your being then he followed it up with the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself Like, this wasn't in addition. This was, like, equal to it. And so, though this person asked God, what is the greatest command? Jesus really gave him three statements to love. Love God, love others, and love self. Love God, love others, and love yourself. Such an easy thing to say, isn't it? Like, so many so many churches and ministries and whatever people's like their 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 vision or their mission or whatever you call it they simply have that phrase on their life or on their church or ministry love god love people maybe they may add in love self probably not very often because that sounds so selfish it seems so simple and and we've quoted it so many times in the church world But what does it mean? It's not so easy to live out if you really push the envelope. I like how Robert Hales 
put it. He said, how we live our religion. Now, I'd put in there how we live out our faith is far more important than what we say about our religion or our faith. How we live it out is so much more important than what we say. So let's break down this vision that God has for us and let's, let's get practical with it today. Really narrow it down so that you can see what is it that God has for me. So many people are always talking about, I'm just trying to figure out what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What is, what is it that he has for me? Let's talk about this today. Let's get real. Love God. Love God. What does it mean to love God? In order to love God, I want to propose to you today that first we need to know God. In order to love Him, we must know Him. So many people say they love God. They just... Don't really know what that means, though. <laughs> we can love our idea of God or what culture says or what Christianity says or our, our, our maybe our church or denomination may say. But do we really know God? The only way we know God is to dig in to his word. It is the source of all truth. In fact... God's word says it itself. John 17, 17, one of the most popular passages in regards to this. It says, God's word is truth. God's own word says about itself that it is truth. And from it, all things are known. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, all scripture is breathed out by God. Right? He inspired it, in other words. And it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction and training in righteousness. So that the man of God, or woman of God, if you will, may be complete and equipped for every good work. For every good work. In order to love God which I believe is, is the greatest job every person could ever have in this world. To love him, we must know him. Because when we know him, we have the ability to truly love him. It's hard to love something you simply don't know. You can say you love your spouse, or you can say you love your kids, but if you never spend time with them, what are you loving? You're loving your idea of what they are. Might not be true. And why is it that so many marriages fall apart within the first year or three and somewhere in there? It's because we thought we knew the person we were getting married to until we spent time with them and we realized that we just knew a version of them. What we thought they would be. What they gave us as their, their best front once we spent time with them, they became a different person. And so then we have to start loving the person who they really are, not who we think they are. And it's the same way with God. So many people say they love God, then then they read the scriptures and they're like, wow, I really don't know God. God's really this way? I didn't know that. 
Like, he has a burning passion for purity. And so when I read that God loves me and he sent down his son to take my place so that he could love me because really, he might love me, but he has a burning passion for purity and I'm not that. So God had to send his son to take that place for me. When you start seeing the depth of who God really is, you gain an appreciation for him. So loving God means that we spend time with him in his word and in prayer or seeking his presence through having time where we meditate or process our thoughts in regards to him and giving him our requests and allowing him to speak into us. Right? It's, it's seeking him, as the Bible calls it. We call it prayer sometimes, but there's so much more to it than just prayer. It's seeking him. First Chronicles 16, 11 in Psalm 105, verse 4 says it this way. Seek God continually. Seek his presence, as they say, continually. We are to seek him always. It's how we get to know him. It's how we get to love him. When we're in his presence, we seek him. Jeremiah 29, 13 also says that when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. You will find him when you seek him. So to love him, we must be in his presence. We must seek him. We must know his word. Rick Warren said it this way. You were made by God and for God until you understand that your life will never make sense. So knowing God and seeking him is the foundation to our purpose in life. You want to know what God's vision for you is? Know him. Seek him. Be in his presence. Don't put it off to the side as something that you might do someday or when you have spare time or when the kids move away and and all life gets more simple. It will never happen. It will never happen. The enemy of your soul knows exactly what God's purpose and vision for you is. And he's going to do everything in his power to push you away from that purpose because he knows when he does, you, you will be defeated. You will feel like, a failure, and you won't know why. Because you were made to be intimate with God and to know Him and know His great love for you, and in return, love Him. It's your greatest purpose, your vision for 2024 or, or whatever life it is right now for you. If it's a thousand years in the future, and this message is still floating around there in, in the world, that whatever it might be, cyber world or whatever, Your greatest purpose in all, in all of creation, is to love him. And then secondly, or in addition, as we read in Jesus' words in Matthew, it's to love others. Love others. And in Matthew 28, 19, so we had the, the greatest commandment to love God and love others as yourself. And then we had the great commission or great sending. Our greatest purpose in in to love others is to make disciples. What is a disciple? Where do we get? What is a disciple like? It's not a word that we use anymore. It's a person who is a follower of somebody else. In today's world, it's probably best equated to an apprentice. Now, 
Again, it's, that's a kind of old thing that isn't really used a lot anymore. But if you're in the plumbing world or the, the construction world or maybe even the medical world sometimes, I know teachers do this in the teaching world, you have, you have a little space of time in your teaching when you're going to college. It, it, part of it is to be an apprentice of some of you, to sit in and be a student teacher in the teaching world and to, to just sit there and monitor and then practice a little bit as the, as the teacher is watching you. So you get that experience. That's what an apprentice is. So we love others by being their apprentice. They are our apprenticee, our disciple. Well, how do you do that? How, how in the world do, do I make a disciple. I don't have anybody following me. I'm not a leader in the spiritual world. I, I, I hardly feel like I have confidence enough to lead myself. And, and I, my greatest purpose in life is to have somebody following me? This is crazy. Well, I want to get practical for you today. Now, some of you this won't apply to, so, but, but this point does hit most people at some point in their life. You will have children at some point, or you have had children, or you have grandchildren who are looking to you, that are following in your footsteps, whether you like it, whether you realize it or not. They are your following in your footsteps. And we read very clearly in Deuteronomy 6, 7, and eleven nineteen that we are to teach our children, or our grandchildren, or our nieces and nephews in all aspects of life. Like the, the gamut, when we get up, when we go to bed, when we're walking along, when we're working, when we're, when we're just doing simple things like making coffee in the morning, like we are teaching them. Now we can either be intentional with it or we can just be flippant and they're watching and learning. And I can guarantee you right now that if you had any kind of parent, whether it was a guardian, somebody you just stayed with, or you had actual biological parents, you are who you are today because of how they lived. Everything that I am is a repercussion of how my parents were when I was growing up. Everything, like how I respond to things, what I think about things in the world, how I even make my toast, like everything I do is, is because of how they did it. You don't even question it. You just saw it so much that it is how you live. How you change a tire on a car. Like, it could be the silliest thing. And somebody asks you one day, and you're like, I don't know why I do it that way. That's just the way my parents did it. And they're like, well, do you realize that there's actually better ways to do that that's more efficient, cost-saving, and on and on and on. And you're like, oh, oh, wow. True story. I never even thought of that, right? It's, it's just part of life. We are who we are because we have people watching us. And we watch somebody else. Proverbs 22, 6 states that when we make it a priority to teach our children, those truths will remain when they get old, right? Proverbs always has something to say about raising kids and, and lifestyles. So simply put, be intentional. Think about how do you want those following you to respond. Your, your influence is greater than you could ever imagine, especially in the four walls of your home. Be intentional. Parents, be intentional. 
Now, for the rest of us, maybe we don't have kids or nieces or nephews around on a regular basis that we can influence. How else can we make disciples or make apprentices of ourselves? Well, we can do it in our church family, can't we? We have the opportunity to take somebody alongside with us for the ride. We can invite them over to our home. We can have dinner with them. We can, we can take them out for lunch. We can meet with them on a, on a rainy day and just talk about life and where they're at. We can text. We can email. We can do all sorts of things with people at church because they're a part of our family. Church is family. We read that in countless places in the Bible. And I'm just going to read to you a couple of them. The first one being 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. And this just gives us a, a, just a, a beautiful picture. And you could continue reading on past this, and it just goes on and on about the beauty of the church body being a family and how each part has a special place to further God's kingdom. And we have that purpose when we love our church family. We can see the gospel message become so much broader and impact so many more people because we're working together. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 11. Now there are different gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God produces each gift in each person. A manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. For the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the spirit. To another, the message of knowledge by the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gift of healing by the one spirit to another performing of miracles to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues one in the same spirit is active in all these distributing to each person as he wills why for the common good what you have been given is for the common good for the building up of the church paul also spoke of it in the book of romans and he says this in romans Chapter 12, another chapter 12, how about that? Verses 4 through 8. Now, as we have many parts in the body, and all parts do not have the same function. Now, this is talking about the church body. In the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving, with generosity. Leading, with diligence. Showing mercy, with cheerfulness. The point being, we all have gifts. And it's all to build the church up, to build. Be an example of God's love to this world. And when we each do our part, when we each do our part, whether it's to mentor somebody up and to to help them to become who they are or to do your part in whatever that place is, we are an example. And we show this world God's love and we bring others with us to develop them and encourage them in their walk. And we just continue this cycle of raising people up to do God's work. And then the last thing that we have that we want to talk about is our community. We are to love our family. We are to love our church family. We are to love our community. Robbie Zacharias put it this way, become a peace builder, a bridge builder, not a destroyer. And the way we do that is through friendship and relationships and through authentic character. Those you're around every day at work, at school, in the gym, 
whatever you do, wherever you are, the question we want to ask ourselves is, am I a bridge builder? Taking them from one place in their journey on life to the next. Be that bridge builder. Take them on that journey. Being being a person of an influencer, whether you are just simply serving your teacher at school or your boss at work. When you lay your life down for those around you, you are being an example. You are showing the love of God. And you're taking the people around you one step closer to that glorious, wonderful God that we serve. Peter says in 1 Peter 4.10, As each of us has received a gift, we should use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. So, God has a vision for you. To love him, to know him, to spend time with him. God has a vision for you to love those around you. To build them up, to show them what it means to live a godly life. And lastly, God's vision for you is to love yourself. So often when we talk about this greatest commandment of loving God and loving others, we leave out the as yourself part. And we we just kind of shove it off to the side because we believe that for some crazy reason that to love ourselves means we are selfish. And and we have this this kind of in the backdrop of Christianity that that we can't be selfish people. We can't take care of ourselves because if we take care of ourselves, that would be like not godly at all because Jesus himself laid down his life for others. And he, he was brutally like rejected and beat up and like we have to be like him. And yes, we do need to be like him. We do need to serve. We do need to lay down our lives. But Jesus also took care of himself. Did he not? Did he take Sabbath days? Absolutely. Did he rest? Absolutely he did. In the middle of a storm he was resting. He took time to build himself up. He took time for time with him and God. And uh, he allowed God to minister to him, to speak into him. Jesus ate healthy. Jesus exercised. I promise you, walking along the shores of Galilee and walking all over and telling people about good news... It was a physical work, climbing up and down mountains, right? Jesus took care of himself because it impacts how you're able to love God and love others. If you're exhausted, if you're mentally beat up, and you're just, you're burnt out, you haven't taken time to rest, get proper sleep, eat healthy, exercise, and and rejuvenate your body, and get all those right hormones firing, if you're not taking time to be around others and allow them to minister to you and to you to minister to them, if you're not, if you're not doing these healthy things that a person does in order to, to, to be full, you can't adequately love others. Now, we can't be selfish with our time and only take time to, to develop ourselves and say, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. Every time there's an opportunity that arises, he's like, mm, I got to take care of myself. I need a me day, right? Binge watching whatever, spending time on your device and 
whatever else that you might do to enjoy time doesn't equate to taking care of yourself. Taking care of ourselves means that we take time to reflect, to process where we are, to, to take that, right, how am I doing? How am I doing with my relationships? How am I doing physically? Like reflection is so important. Prayer is so important. Reading God's word, taking those days of rest where you're not simply getting stuff done around home and taking care of those uh, behind jobs that, you know, you're just never able to get to. So I'm going to take a day of rest so I can get to some of those things that I'm not getting to, right? Like we need to take time to just enjoy life. Take a walk outside. Enjoy the animals. Do a little artwork. Read a book that you've been needing to, to read to help whatever, right? Get your mind out of, out of the dark places. Do those things. Spend time with others who build you up. Because loving God and loving others comes from a healthy internal foundation. Must be sound inside. So today, God has a purpose for you. He has a vision for you. To spend time with Him, to love Him, to make Him priority number one in your life. Where it's just you and Him. Then out of that foundation of taking care of yourself and loving Him and building up those healthy rhythms in your life to go out and equally love others as yourself and as God Himself. At that pinnacle. What is it that you could do today, starting today, right now, in your life, that you could get back on God's vision for you? What's that priority need to be? For some of us, it does mean carving up time where we spend knowing Him and His Word, reflecting, praying, seeking His face, giving, giving that attention to Him that, that He deserves because he has given it all for you. Know him. Why am I loving him? Give him your glory. Give him his glory. Maybe you need to spend some time where you're starting to focus on eating healthier, sleeping more, taking a day of rest, getting around people who build you up. You need you need that that maybe three or four people in your life to just spend more time with. Seek them out. Spend time with then, how do I need to live that out in my life to others? Spend some time with God today and reflect on that. Get back in line with God's vision for you. Your greatest purpose in life isn't to make a bunch of money, to raise the best kids, to maybe find that, that, that perfect pastoral ministry that you've been looking for all these years. No. Your job is to simply find his vision. Find that fullness in the simple vision of loving God, loving others, loving you. Father, I pray for each person listening today that they would start this new year off or make wherever they find themselves in listening to this message today that this would be day zero of their new year and that they would commit to just reflecting on your vision for them and putting into place just one maybe two things that they can do to get focused 
and get back on track with you. Spirit of God, move in them. Speak to them. Open their eyes. Open their hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for joining us, Nexus Church family online, and we'll see you again next week.